welcome, fellow awesomeologists, to Awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we're going to make the case for core values. And not just any core values, right? We are talking about core values that can guide you, guide your business, and the people around you in a really meaningful way. Yeah. Thanks for agreeing <laughs> with the whole premise of what I'm we're so doing agreeable. here. I'm That's so, so good. Yeah. Ben, why did we choose the topic of core values for this specific time of the year? Well, it is July. And uh, we're getting to that halfway point of the year. We're past that halfway point of the year and starting to think about second half and all the things that we do at the end of the year from budgeting and uh, things like that. One of those things is typically strategic planning, Mm -hmm. right? So people are probably start to think, Uh, starting to think about strategic planning and depending on where you're at as an organization whether you have core values or not um, that might change how you go about your strategic planning so if strategic planning is on the horizon or you're starting to think about it or because we just said it you're starting to think about it now you realize it should be on the horizon (laughs) Um, core values and Uh, what your core values are and maybe other things like mission, vision, and stuff like that. But specifically core values for the sake of our conversation today should also probably be on your radar. And uh, now would be a great time to start to do some of the groundwork to get those developed so you're all set and ready to go for strategic planning. So that's why we're talking about that. Bingo. Also, a good coach would say you haven't won the game until you have a strong second half. So second half of the year, Come in strong. I don't. That's just a thing I made up, just because you. I coach, like it because you coach football. That was just like I was trying to bond with you there for a minute. It it kind of worked. It kind of worked. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, can you define what core values are and touch on why we're sure they're so important? By gosh, I would love to define what core values are, and I will start by defining what they aren't which i mean we like we are in marketing and specifically one of the things we know marketing people like is they like to find the right word and apply it to a thing they like a catchy word they like to uh find something that will evoke an emotion and that's not that's very much not what core values are they're not just catchy words that you apply to your business and say we think I'm deliberately trying not to use any of our core values, so <laughs> nobody thinks I'm slamming. But I'm going to use integrity. I'm not slamming any core values right now. <laughs> but you don't just decide. We think the word integrity is a cool word, and that's a core value. What they are are the things that are – they are guiding principles, and they're very – they're really very personal. So if you are a sole owner of a business – it's very likely the core values of that business are the owner's core values. And so you sort of have to put up a mirror to the best of what you are as a human being or your potential as a human being and say, what are the things that are my guiding principles? And they don't also don't have to be something that you never fall short of, right? You, they, if, even if you said, well, I believe in integrity, but I know that sometimes you know, I fall a little... Like I miss a step and sometimes I don't like to admit my faults or something like that. That's okay. If it's something you believe in, it's a guiding principle of yours and you're striving every day to get closer to be a good example of that, then that's your core value. And then the conversation becomes, you know, to the point of why are they so important? Those are the things if you're, you know, if you're a sole owner of a business, those are the things that the people that you employ have to understand about you and about the direction the business is going to go so that you have alignment on your team. On a team uh, like the teams we're on where there's a whole group of us, it, it's a, this big process to go from uh, understanding what our core values are to unearthing them, discussing them, and then getting alignment across the team so that we're all working toward the same set of core values. So it's it's big and heady work, but it's so important, to your point, to know, to be able to follow a strategic direction 
you have to you have to have a north star and core values can serve as that north star so speaking of ben that big work to get everyone in alignment on a team where do you start the process to uncover core values great question before i chat a little bit about that i just have to say how dare you bash integrity no i'm just i'm totally kidding (laughs) I'm totally kidding. Well, it's because I, I myself have none. Yeah. So. <laughs> Easy for me to bash it when I don't have any. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, uh, but seriously, one thing um, that just as you said it, um, it just, I don't know, hit a um, kind of hit a trigger with me. Uh, starting to define core values by saying what they're not. I think that um, sometimes that's just a really um, interesting and helpful way to answer a question uh, by saying what a thing isn't or what it shouldn't be, right? And I think it can be applied to core values. It can be applied to, uh, you know, kind of going back to our last episode about the creative process by knowing what a thing shouldn't be that helps you get to what it should be, right? And especially, you know, since we're kind of teasing strategic planning here, Um, there's so many things as you're thinking about the next six months or, you know, if you do a longer term strategic plan, three, five years, something like that, maybe knowing where you don't want to be or what you're not going to do for the next three or five years can help get you to where you actually want to be or should be, you know? So, um, just kind of an interesting way to think about when you're answering some of these questions or developing or building these things, maybe looking at it from that other side of what they're not supposed to be or where you're, where, what they're not supposed to be or where you're not supposed to be, um, just a helpful way to attack things. But now quick before you answer the question, yeah. let me uh, let me comment on your comment <laughs> and say also very important when you're working, when you're collaborating, if you have to set the table with the group and say, so this is what we're not going to do. So start from there, get, you know, right away, discard that. You know, and I, and I think I don't want to go too far, too much further down this road, but I think what challenges people in doing that is they don't want to feel like a dictator. They don't want to, especially, you know, the, the gushy creative types like us where we're like, oh, it's all on the table, no bad ideas. But like you do, you when you set a structure around it and say it's not this, so don't say that. Right. <laughs> With love. Yep. Right. Then you get a much more productive uh, flow. Yeah. Okay, now, yeah. back to the question. Do you remember the question? I do remember anymore? the question, okay. yes. And uh, the question was, where does the process start to uncover those core values? Um, and I think it uh, there's many different starting points, right? Uh, maybe depending on the size of your organization, who's leading the charge, uh, who's all involved. There might be different starting points. But um, I think there's some commonalities no matter where you start and Um, definitely understanding who you are and who your people are. And if you can understand your organization, so analyzing the traits of people and the organization is um, a a way to start and to kind of start to identify some themes. Um, When you and I were talking about um, this episode, we talked a little bit about how you could um, get these ideas out there, whether it's um, specific core values themselves or maybe just discussing the traits or the way that you do business or things like that that might help identify the core values and then start to organize that a little bit so um, i think you used the word indexing when we were talking Mm -hmm. about it right so find the things that are common which words could be grouped into the same core value said in the same way or you know similar enough Um, And then also, uh, so think about where you are now and maybe do some of the work to get some of that feedback from the whole team, maybe even from outsiders like clients or vendors, people that know you and you want to really like find out where you're at and what people might perceive as your core values or how you operate. Um, And then uh, maybe depending on the kind of core values that you're creating, um, think about where you want to be and Um, think about, um, you know, the traits you might be looking for in your next hires or in um, your next clients or the kind of work that you want to do. And there might be specific values that can help drive or guide an organization a certain way. Um, I think that maybe the most important thing, though, when it comes to a starting point is understanding that for them to truly be authentic Um, both like as they're developed, but then when they're put into practice, um, 
it cannot be a one person job. It cannot be a one department job. Yeah, you might need a leader. You might need a facilitator. You might need someone to own the project or keep things on track and analyze the feedback and organize things, whatever. But um, but it has to be uh, a bigger group. Maybe the whole organization. Uh, maybe the whole organization should at least have a little bit of input on it. Um, but there uh, likely is some sort of ad hoc group that's formed to really help develop it and be the kind of the creative muscle behind it that helps bring it together. So I can pretty confidently say that if it's your, um, you know, the, the tip of the spear, the CEO, or if it's the head of the HR department or the head of the marketing department or the head of some other department that you might have that's saying, here's our core values now with little input from anyone outside of that individual or their own team, um, probably was a misstep. And uh, likely you're going to see that there's going to be a feeling of uh, them not being authentic, Mm -hmm. you know, and difficult to really like live by and practice going forward you know might be a fun exercise in the moment there might be some real energy and excitement when that individual or that department announces it and makes a big flashy presentation and stuff and I don't even want to pretend that there's no value in that like really for for the the head cheese to come in and say here's how we do business now and um and here's our core values. It's exciting, and this looks really cool. Like some people will get on that train, and they'll be happy to be there, and um, you know, it'll roll on down the tracks. But um, at the same time, there's going to be people jumping off as soon as they realize, like, oh, that word doesn't mean anything to me, or that phrase that helps describe that. I don't know. That's not how I want to do business, or um, that won't resonate with our clients. You know, whatever things right. like that. So uh, our clients, our members, whatever. So yeah, um, that group effort uh, is super important. Yeah, and I think there's a certain amount of this work that you're you're walking a tightrope, where once you, as an organization, have defined your core values, and I don't want to tease the stuff that we'll talk about a little later, but once you've defined them, if someone on your organization if you, if you do the work the quote-unquote right way, you do it with an open mind and open hearts and uh, handle it in a way that's collaborative enough to make it make sense. And someone in your organization says, that does not, that's not who I am as a person, then <clears throat> that's a human being who they, they need to find another opportunity. You can't, uh, because these things, you know, the tightrope part of it is, Things like core values, which you do with good intention. I think strategic planning is the same way. There are a lot of things we do that you do with this great intention. It's really easy to let it fester and turn toxic on you. And then you've done great work with good intention. And it is now, I don't know, in a gross little corner stinking up the place yeah. <laughs> because because it's turned toxic on you. Yeah. So. I can give an example just to make sure I'm hearing you. Mm-hmm. Um, this is maybe the an example where the um, the really critical minded uh, or analytical minded uh, accountant can't get behind creativity, or you know, because they just say that's I'm not a creative person. I I like to make things just be real simple and black Mm -hmm. and white and balance out and good to go. Or it's maybe that uh, creative person who um, there's a core value that maybe drives them to be super disciplined or um, might guide them to be uncreative. And they're like, oh, that's, or or at least that's how they interpret Mm -hmm. it, right? So like that's uh, either that those people need to find a new opportunity or um, they need to open their mind to, okay, how can I, how can I do the things that I'm best at and that are most aligned with me as a person while also thinking creatively along mm-hmm. the way? Or how can I do my creative job and bring all the flair and spunk that I have, but also do it in a way that aligns with this tight ship that our core values are encouraging us to run or we say, right. we, you know, we do. So. Right. Cool. Well, and I think the other, the other form of dissonance you find is when you that sort of that less attractive of these models where somebody uh, at the top or in another you know in a silo says these are what our core values are 
and you have people on the team that say that is not how we do our business and I can't represent those core values because that would be untrue to me. You know, that would be me basically lying to the world about, you know, and supporting things that are not true to our organization. So, like, I think that probably is, like, worst-case scenario, most toxic, but that is definitely a person who, you know, hopefully your executive management hears that and does some reflection on it, but if uh, people are in that position right now on a team, you know, think about it. Think about where you're at. That's all. With love. Yeah. (laughs) So I talked a little bit about this being a group effort, right? Um, which sounds logical, makes a lot of sense, right? <laughs> but how do you how do you do that, Sue? How do you bring those people with different experiences and values together to agree on one shared set of values that's right. gonna drive the company forward? Yeah, good question. And it is it's such a process. And this might be one of those key things where people who have not done core value work, look at this process and go, there's no way we're going to get through that. There's no <laughs> way we're bringing people together. But it it really is, you know, I can't stress enough this personal side of core values. It really, it starts within the people on the team and they do the work first. They think about what their core values are, right? And then just like everything, you know, just like all of the good collaboration you've seen in your life, you you sort of you have to do that vulnerable work and you have to be open and honest with yourself. And then you have to be willing to share that vulnerable work with the people around you. And once you once everyone has shared, then it becomes the process of, you know, really talking about when you say this word, what does that word mean to you? And if your word of Integrity. I don't know why I'm working on integrity. Can't believe it. <laughs> because it's an easy, it's low hanging fruit. Yeah. If your word of integrity uh, means the same thing to you as my word of honesty, then we are we're really aligned. We're talking about the same thing, and we have to work through. Now we work the process to figure out what's the word that we can agree on. Right. We know the feeling behind it. But we have to, we have to uh, massage those words <laughs> and make sure you know that you and I are aligned. We're talking about the same value. We're just applying a different word to it. Yeah. So and that that can be, you know, that can be a really sort of transformative process. Like it's one of those things. It's like I always liken these things to that summer camp experience where you you go to summer camp or you do a lock-in, <laughs> little parochial school kid with their lock-ins, <laughs> and you get to that point in the night where everybody's way overtired and your brains are, you know, mush, uh, and then you start talking about life and your dreams and whatever. And when you wake up the next morning, you're everybody's best friends, Right. So that kind of work with core values really, I think, creates one of those summer camp experiences because you get everyone together, you get them talking in a pretty vulnerable way, and you, I think there's so much good that can come out of it because you can, as, as that team, sort of learn lessons about conflict resolution and collaboration and cooperation and being able to communicate in this really different way knowing like no matter what happens we have to walk out of the room having this done so uh you know i don't get to i don't know i don't get to say i'm taking my basketball and going home i have we have to do the work so it's uh it's not it's not going to be the easiest team building exercise you're ever going to do but it is like i don't know i just it's like you just keep digging yeah, yeah. <laughs> until you get it done. Yeah, for sure. Well, and you're, you're so spot on about like the benefits that can come out of that exercise and putting in the work there, even though it might not be easy to agree on the same five words or to 
open yourself up a little bit to understand like, yeah, that person's using this word. I'm using this word. Like we're close enough on that thing that either we can pick one of them or we can find another word that maybe says both things um, or maybe says something different, but, um, you know, is a word that we agree on or whatever. So um, I think that that's really, really valuable work. And it's uh, just, it's one of those like, uh, byproduct benefits of doing the work of core values where you create this uh, alignment is a word that we've been talking about a lot lately um so it's probably just stuck in my head but um, it can create that alignment between a couple people or maybe a couple departments that have um like they're both really close they're working on the same thing but it maybe feels like they're just not quite parallel and you know once you have this conversation about where you're going as an organization or as a team or whatever it just brings that alignment together all you know because you had to talk about some words right and speaking to you about this somebody who is so um skilled and um critical of what words to use when and why and how um like what a challenge for somebody like you to stay open to somebody who's saying, well, I think we should use this word. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you, who it's your job to pick the right words all the time, um, should have full authority to say, no, it's this no. word. <laughs> Trust me, this is my job. It's this word. But, you know, at the same time, even you, somebody who does this every day, making sure that we're using the right words, has to stay open to maybe somebody's thought or bias or feeling or whatever it is behind the words that they're choosing to use when it comes to selecting core values right and and there is there's a part of that process that becomes really the like let's let's pull out the dictionary right and it it, but it's all it it's all very uh you really have to enter this with such a collaborative mindset because you it can't be the scrabble version of pulling out the dictionary right (laughs) like i can't pull out the dictionary to prove you wrong Right. But I can pull, you know, we can pull out a dictionary and say this is this is the dictionary definition of this word. This is the dictionary definition of that word. Mm-hmm. So, where you know, can we find alignment on like? Can you just agree I'm right? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking, you know, speaking of words, and I deliberately toss this question to you because you know this would be a triggering question to me. Um, there are a lot of words in the English language, assuming that you're doing your core value work in English. And a lot of them either actually do mean nearly the same thing or colloquially we use them for sort of the same thing. So the question is, do the words or phrases you choose really matter? So you're talking like soda versus pop, right? Right. Yeah, okay, got it. Right. Well, that actually, see now that, yes, I'm talking about that kind of (laughs) alignment and it's pop, by the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's be real. <laughs> and also those things of integrity versus honesty, right? Sure. Which are two different words that mean two different things, but colloquially can be really close together. Well, I'm going to take the, I don't know. I'm going to, what I want to say is I'm going to take the easy way out, but I do feel like this is accurate and, uh, I think that at the end of the day, what you do with those words is really what matters. So um, I'm ignoring the question of whether or not the words actually matter by saying it's what you do with them. And, and putting it's them only in because you're locked in a room with me right now. Right. I know. <laughs> like, yeah. I will not answer yeah. that question. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> I will not answer that question with the. <laughs> I'd like to speak to my lawyer, please. Right. But um, no, but I mean, really, though, um, the words do matter. So I don't give that answer to give any kind of um, feeling that the words don't matter. The words are, are super important. But really, though, whatever words you select, what you do with them is what matters. You could you could go through the exercise of creating core values that really, really mean something to every single person on the team. You have all the buy-in in the world that you need. But if that's where that train stops, it doesn't matter. Who right. cares? Who cares what the words are, you know? But, I mean, if they're really something that you're, um, like, I don't, I, I want to say, um, like, incredibly authentic with or, um, 
you know, if they're not something that's put into practice and you're not using them in darn near everything that you do, um, then it doesn't, yeah, then it doesn't matter what words you picked, you know. Um, that said, uh, going through the exercise, having those conversations, coming together and creating that alignment and the agreement on which words you choose and maybe even what uh, words or phrases or images you use to help share the words or the core values, um, that will uh, mean that means the most you know that's right. what it's all about and you know it's uh it's kind of like the the why um of doing this uh in the first place you know like at the end of the whole process you'll have these core values and um maybe even some new ideas for putting them into practice and actually using them to guide your organization and stuff but everything that comes along with the words is really what matters here you know so so yeah, the words don't really matter. So that's what that's, I'm saying. That hurts. That's me my core. <laughs> make what up, make up something. Yeah, yeah. So since we know the words don't matter. Yeah. And you just you know willy nilly come to agree on them. So no, I'm, pull them out of the I'm kidding. Sky. I just, somebody that might be like fast forwarding through this episode yeah. and comes into that, they might be like, wait, the words don't matter. Words don't matter. Wait, what? The words really matter, people. Trust us. <laughs> but once you've agreed on them, what what comes next? discovering what those words are is really just the tip of that iceberg, the very beginning of that process, right? Because the next, there's a lot that comes next. And I think you, you walk out of, similar to strategic planning, you walk out of strategic planning, you know, sort of an empty vessel feeling like all, you know, every idea you've ever had in your life, you left back on that boardroom table. And uh, then the work starts. So same thing here. Once you know those core values, then the work starts. One of the things and the couple of teams that we've gone through this process that we're on with, that that wasn't a well-formed sentence, but I think people understand our teams, is that we first created something to help define them for the people on the team so we could communicate them out you know, so that people wouldn't be saying, well, that word means this to me and that word means that to me. And we've, you know, actually in like on the simplicity team, those core values have, as we have needed them, and I, I couldn't, I could not honestly tell you, well, I know it's more than five years since we created them, <laughs> but in the, in the time we've had those core values for the simplicity team, the definitions we've put behind them have evolved and you know now we have sort of a version of that definition which is aspirational which is sort of a storytelling version of that rather than we think this you know rather than that explanation being the word integrity means da, 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 da. so we we've created the storytelling version of that so that people can picture it in their minds I think that's a really important next step to make sure people get alignment with that. Once you've done that, to make sure that the whole team knows what those core values are, has access to them at any given moment so they can go back and look at them and really start to incorporate them into the work and into what they're doing. And then the hard work, the really hard work, it, which takes, as far as I know, forever, <laughs> is to always come back to them and say, how, how does this process, how does this project, how does this thing align with our core values? And, uh, you know, for different people on your team, the core values are going to serve different purposes at any given time. You know, they should help a coach coaching their you know, coaching their team. They should help make buying decisions. They should help make selling decisions, like all of these different areas. And the big work of this, once you have the core values, is to find where they, you know, integrate seamlessly into what you're doing and to make them so upfront and so available that you can't forget to integrate them. 
So that leads me to the next. Now that I've told you we have to do this, <laughs> let me ham-handedly pass it off to say, what do you think are some strategies that would help an organization keep those core values aligned, keep them integrated in a seamless way? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, depending on the um, resources you have available, the size of your team, the um, the level of ownership that you might um, put on your leadership team and really the whole organization, this could definitely look different from group to group. And, you know, um, there's just there's only so much time in the day and we have work to do that it might really be a challenge to um, feel like you're giving conscious thought to them or um, you're consciously um, integrating them into everything that you do. Um, But that really is so crucial because without that, then you've just created this list of words that's going to sit somewhere and not be put into play, right? So a few things come to mind. um, And I think that the first one that I think is most it feels most obvious to me. It might just be because I'm in the marketing world and our job is to like publish things and get messages out in the world, but I think you need to publish them. They need to live on your website or if I can put publish in air quotes, they maybe need to live on a wall in a place where your people are going to see them all the time or, you know, you could do anything with them as cheesy as it might sound, printing them out and having them at everyone's desk or something, you know. And I, I do think that some of that stuff that might feel a little extra or might feel a little cheesy or corny or whatever, I do think is definitely important, um, especially at the beginning stage, like when you first launch them, announce them, you know, uh, roll them out to the to the organization. I think that some of that extra is important because it really does help people start to memorize them and start to think about using them all the time. Um, and then some of the the next things that can happen with them just start to feel more natural because people have seen them all the time, right? Um, but e- even that, like this whole thing, this whole conversation, it feels like if you stop at any point, um, you've like left something on the table, you know? So like if you just put them on a wall or you give everybody a business card with them printed out and then you never talk about them again, you've failed you know what I mean right so um and that kind of leads right next right into the next one which is creating accountability for them and with them so when you're talking uh, you know a lot of the things that you just said when you're making decisions buying and selling decisions when you're coaching um you know these things should be hopefully top of mind so that you're either using the words precisely or exactly as you've written them um in your conversations or you're um, thinking, saying, talking, doing with them in mind. And I guess that, if I can sidebar for just a tiny bit, one thing that, um, I don't know, I feel like I'm maybe being prescriptive now saying what people should or shouldn't do, but I guess I would just throw a caution out there of overusing them too, you know? And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you start every meeting or every coaching session or every um, conversation with, our fourth core value is fill in the blank. Like, man, people are going to get sick of that real quick. You know what I mean? So um, there are other ways to communicate them or speak to them without saying our core value is this, you know? So, um, and that's where I think if it's authentic and it really has been like woven into everything that you do, um, you don't have to, you don't even have to say the core value. You're just thinking, doing, talking, and it really is a part of who you are as a person, as a leader, as an organization. Um, and I guess that's really the, the last thing that I have is to weave them into everything that you do um, and do that in whichever way is right or makes the most sense for the thing that you're doing. So it might be as simple as saying our core values are this or publishing them or putting them on a wall, or it might be thinking uh, with them in mind, doing with them in mind. Um, and if everybody gets on that bus and starts thinking and doing and interacting with their core values, you'll, you'll see that organizational change, which was the point of doing this all along, right? So, um, but I think that that accountability and really like integrating it into everything that you do and talking about them often, which might transform over time, um, is super crucial. Very true. Very true. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, you point out the 
you make the comment that it might be extra to put it up, you know, or have it at people's desks or whatever. And it just strikes me that it's interesting that we know if we want to remember something. Like, this is why sticky notes were invented, right? Right. That you just jot it on a sticky note. And then when we stopped buying reams of sticky notes, we... You know, Microsoft was kind enough to make a sticky note app. Yeah. You know, so we know that the way we remember things as people is by putting it in front of our faces. And and yet, as soon as it becomes uh, feeling words, yeah. you know, as soon as it becomes something like this, then we say, well, you know, maybe that's a little extra. Maybe you don't have to do it. But that's, it, it just is, like, view it as, help view it as how you help yourself how you help your team rather than thinking like that's too much or that's too extra yeah right yeah and you know i don't know if everyone um feels the same way about that stuff like it might not feel like extra or it might not feel corny or cheesy to everyone but i do think that there is a um perceived pitfall or something with doing that stuff um, and I think it's probably because people have seen or experienced the times when um, it gets put on the wall and and you never talk about mm-hmm. them again, you know. And so I think people maybe feel like that's cheesy or corny or extra because they've seen um, how that can be the end of that road, right. you know what I mean? So. Right. And that's, you know, that's some of that dissonance we were talking about early on in the conversation. If you... You know, if you're going to, and I would encourage people to make them as visible, use them as often as you can in a way that's authentic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but don't do that. This is my this is my parenthetical statement here. Don't do it unless you really understand them, because mm-hmm. I've also seen examples of people saying, "Well, uh, you know, we have these core values, and this core you're doing this thing, and that core that doesn't align with our core value because it's blah blah blah." And, and people go, "Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure you're right there yeah. that that's that thing, and I think you're just trying to hit me over the head with a core value right now." Right. But to I think the big the big work of this is to really make sure that you have alignment versus dissonance and and like also ps always that should always be in everything you do you yeah. should be you know looking for on your team person well starting with personally and then moving on to the people around you the people on your team people in the bigger organization you should always be striving for alignment and be working to correct and eliminate dissonance Mm-hmm. to be that's like where you're functioning in an optimal way yeah that was my jeff bezos moment right there i just thought i would go big ted talk i loved it thank you i think whatever he says right before he goes up on the rocket it's going to sound something that's probably like exactly that, that. Yeah. is he's thinking did you write that, that for him <laughs> i did i'm working on this <laughs> i knew it jeff bezos. <laughs> i knew it <laughs> All right, Sue, what's your final elevator pitch for creating core values and using them to help guide strategic planning? Could you say guide, guide. in a more Wisconsin <laughs> way for me? Well, well let me tell you. Let them guide guide, guide you. I'm going to guide you. Uh, <laughs> my elevator pitch is that as human beings, we long for direction. We long for purpose. That is just the way we are built and when we don't have purpose and direction when we don't have a guiding you know that north star to guide us that's when we are least productive that's when we don't feel ourselves that's when that internal dissonance bubbles up in us and when when we can create you know an organizational north star for people and help them align themselves and especially do the extra work to make sure that they understand their alignment and how it applies to them and how they can, you know, wake up in the morning knowing that we we are have you been watching Loki? Have you watched oh, yeah. Loki? Yeah. We are burdened with glorious yeah. purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, having 
the purpose and the North Star, it just, it makes us better employees. It makes us better people. It makes us happier. Mm-hmm. And there's probably money somewhere along the way. Yeah, probably I'm, I'm all about, about the internal struggle and getting rid of that. But you can talk about money. Same question for you. Well, I feel like you were staring into my soul as you were giving that elevator pitch. So it's because I'm burdened with glorious purpose. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I, tough to beat what you said. Totally agree. Um, I guess I would just say, you know, speaking specifically of the connection to doing them to help guide you for strategic planning um, is just it, it feels like an essential first step to that. Um, so that's my, I guess that's my elevator pitch is to do strategic planning without a set of core values or a vision to really guide you along the way and something to be top of mind as you're thinking about your plan, whatever length that is, a short-term plan or a long-term three-year strategic plan or anything like, um, to have core values as a tool in that toolbox to help you through that process is just, I think it's essential. I really think that um, doing it without them is uh, would be a failure on some level. Not to say that your plan wouldn't have any value or anything like that, but um, it will be more valuable if it's guided by your core values, which probably um, will speak to your why, you know, like why you exist as an organization and why you as a person work for that, uh, credit union or that organization. So, um, super important, uh, to, uh, helping guide you along the strategic planning process. So just got to do it, people. It's that simple. Just do it. And here's the shameless plug part of this. This I think people look at some of this work, some of these strategic planning, core value stuff, branding. There's a lot of this stuff that people look at it and they're intimidated by it Mm, and they don't know where to start. And it feels like a a whole lot of mess that they don't want to get involved in. And we love to do it. Right, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So we just, we have that uh, unique... um, atypical brain (laughs) that wants to do this so and full disclosure it is perfectly okay to be intimidated by it as much as we love to do it it's also intimidating and the the stakes feel super high when you're doing it because i think that i mean there's a reason that they're called core values they live at Mm -hmm. the core of everything that you do and so it's it's intimidating because um it can really inform a lot and um that said yeah, we love to do it. So just call us. Just give us a call. Shameless plug. I like it. <laughs> cool. We get well, to do those occasionally, right? Yeah. We're I, not egregious. Right. Yeah. Next next episode, all commercials. Right. Just commercials. Just thirty seconds after thirty <laughs> seconds. Just back and forth. Yeah. They'll just start some... scripted and then we'll just start improving and it'll get better over time. <laughs> all right. Well, as awesome as that was, um, we should shift to our last segment of something awesome something awesomer i don't know tough to beat the core values conversation we just had but um i am going to share just a little bit about uh, so our something awesome segment i should back up for anybody who this might be your first episode that you're listening to is where we just share exactly that something awesome a book a quote a podcast some other kind of content Um, a cool story, inspirational quote, anything like that. Um, And uh, my something awesome uh, is this super cool site that I coincidentally stumbled upon um, called Loved Before, and the URL is lovedbefore.london, and we'll share that in the show notes after. But um, the reason it's coincidental is we just moved into a new home, and we're in that process where we're unboxing and, like, finding stuff that either was already packed away or we packed and we totally forgot about it Uh, and one of the boxes that we found was a bag of our son charlie's stuffed animals just this huge bag of every stuffed animal he's gonna be six um he's accumulated a very nice plush collection uh (laughs) over the course of his years here on earth and um we set them all out by his window and it's just a really it, really cool arrangement of all of his fun stuffed animals that said he's almost six 
and uh, he's got a few of them that he'll you know play with or sleep with or whatever now he's got his favorite uh red panda named joaquin that we got uh before um he was born from the henry Vila zoo in madison which is something also that's awesome <laughs> uh but um but anyways, I just see all these stuffed animals, and I'm like, man, what are we going to do with these? You know, they're, First off, I know what we're going to do with them. We're going to continually and endlessly pick them up and put them back in the place where we've put them because they always get uh, scurried about the house, right? But um, but there will be a day when it's like he's going to outgrow them or you know, we'll just know like, okay, he hasn't touched those things in a while. And so this site that I found, which I was, um, I think I was actually on one of the sites that I shared in the last episode where I look for inspiration and stuff like that. And they won this loved before won uh, a design, uh, award. And, um, I just saw the, a picture of this cute stuffed bunny and the title of the, um, award or the, or the um, blog post showing what award they won was how this company takes used stuffed animals and brings them back to life, right? So, of course, I clicked on it and checked it out. And it's this UK-based company. I don't know if they're in the States yet, but what you do is you take your stuffed animals that your kid no longer plays with or whatever, and you package them up. You write a little note or story about them. So using Joaquin as the example, I would say, oh, my wife and I went to the Henry Vila Zoo in Madison, and we bought this red panda, and we planned on giving it to our kid when he was born, and blah, blah, blah. And now it's his favorite one, and all that. You know, Tell, tell the story. Um, and then uh, it pretty much gets posted, and people can buy these used stuffed animals so you know instead of them going in the garbage or you know who knows where right um they go to a family that actually picked it kind of like almost adopting a pet right and then when they get it they also get your story they get your card with your story about like you know maybe the significance or the sentimental value of that stuffed animal so one i love the sustainability and recycling kind of factor with it right Um, because it is a bummer like honestly any toy but especially a stuffed animal like just picture your kid sleeping with a a little stuffed animal like if it only happens once and they never do it again like that thing's got a certain place in your heart but especially one like joaquin that just means so much like if he ever does outgrow it man i would love to know that that went to another kid or another family that's going to love it just as much even though it's just a stuffed animal right but um so yeah the fact that it won't go in the garbage and the fact that another family might love it just super cool so love the concept love the idea um both the uh, sustainability of it and the sentimental value of it love it so loved before dot london is the url check it out before we move on yeah why is the red panda named joaquin i have no idea uh i love joaquin phoenix but okay, you, i don't but think it's name... named after joaquin phoenix no <laughs> um no you know charlie named him um, really yeah so I'm I'm guessing there was, I don't know, a show or a cartoon or a story or a book or something okay. that we read where he heard the name Joaquin and he picked the name Joaquin for him. But Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's a red panda because there's red pandas at the Henry Vila Zoo and they are the cutest animal in the world. And, uh, yeah, Charlie loves them. And probably because Charlie watched the Joker movie. Oh, that's exactly so why. That's why yeah. he named it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it was his, that was his first uh, movie theater movie. We took him yeah. to the Joker. <laughs> so the yeah. That's perfect. That's good. Right. No, he wanted to, he wanted to see the Joaquin's uh, biopic, but he, yeah. he he skipped that one. Right. Because I don't know if he was born yet, and then <laughs> right. and then went for the Joker. That's good. Yeah. It's a good choice. Yeah. We're great parents. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> So my recommendation, which I cannot, I don't think I've ever brought this up on the podcast and I can't believe I haven't because this is a site that my family uses all of the freaking time. (laughs) Uh, So there is, the site is onlyinyourstate.com and the good news is for people listening to us outside of Wisconsin that you can go to onlyinyourstate.com and choose your state. And they have just articles that promote 
interesting and different things across the state. Some of the things are, you know, static features, features of the state, tourist destinations you can go. Some are activities that are new and different, and you can always find something happening. And what triggered me to bring this up is that there is a zoo, and I should have put it here in the notes, and I didn't. I, it's close to Milwaukee, but for the next four Saturdays, you can have breakfast with, with the orangutans. Oh, my God. <laughs> awesome. And so it's a mixture of stuff like that and tourist destinations and just cool things yeah. that happen in your state. And we, like, anytime we have a free day and we're looking to do something, immediately my husband's, like, on that site and scrolling through to see what's up or super cool. What's neat or cool yeah. to see. So only in your state.com. There we go. Love it. That's and awesome. We'll include that link below. Specifically, I will I'll link to the Wisconsin site, but you can get to all of the other states from there. And this is your monthly reminder, your regular reminder that you can find us always on your favorite podcast app. Or you can visit our blog at exclamationcuso.com slash blog. You can see our, all of our episodes. There's also other content out there that we work very hard to get out there. So go ahead and read some of those blog articles there. That, that's my other pitch is please read our blog as well as listening to our podcast. You have been crushing the shameless plugs. I, yeah, I am. I'm going all shameless. Well, for you, Sue, with all the integrity in the world, I say thank you, friends, for tuning in. This is Sue and Ben, your officially certified professors of awesomeology, reminding you that life's awesome if you make it awesome. We'll see you next time.